Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and kill that sound of that. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. We're starting in verse 11. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now he was hiding it from the Midianites because the Midianites have had control over Israel for many years now. God had punished them because they had turned their back on God. They had turned from everything that God had taught them. They were going against God in all ways, as we see throughout the Old Testament, Israel always seemed to do. So they were being punished, and the Midianites inhabited the land. And so Gideon is out here threshing by the wine presses to hide from the Midianites. They wouldn't know what he was doing. And the Lord says to him, in the verse that I like there at the very end there, The Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. And that confirms later in Hebrews 13, 5, where it says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So as Gideon's sitting here, the angel of the Lord appears, and he's sitting underneath the tree. And he looks at him and says, The Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. So Gideon knows beyond a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> Kill the sound over there on the board. Hit that button. Way that doesn't do that. I can deal with everything else. <clears throat> so, focus, get back to where you're at. So, he knows it's God. He knows it's the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is telling him, I am with thee. The same way we all know that Christ is with us every day. We know that, that about the Trinity God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We know that He's omnipresent. We know that a God is always with us on a daily basis. But even more so for Gideon here, as the angel of the Lord is sitting before him and he says, God, God is with you. How many know that God is with you on a daily basis? How many know that God is with you whether you're sinning or whether you're living righteous life for Him? He is with you at all times. He sees all. He knows all. There's nothing that you're doing that you're going to hide from God. He knows. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from your grandma, your grandpa, your mom and dad. But that which you do in secret is always open before the Lord. So here Gideon gets the, gets the word from, from the angel of the Lord, I am with thee. Thou mighty man of valor. Now I find it interesting as we go through the rest of the story because he calls him thou mighty man of valor. And so what does Gideon do? Gideon doesn't sit there in the confidence of the angel of the Lord. What does he do? What's the first thing Gideon does? Let's read the next verse and see the first thing that Gideon does. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Now he goes on to say, O my Lord. And then the first if in this scripture comes in. Now, if usually references back to doubt. If you're going to ask, if this, if that, usually if means you're questioning. If brings doubt into any situation in your life. If God tells you to go do something, you're like, okay, God, but what if, what if, I think in, the, in English class, they always called those hypothetical what if examples. And that's exactly what Gideon is doing here immediately. He even refers to as thou, O Lord. And then he says, if. He begins to doubt immediately. If the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? So he's told that God is with them, and immediately what does he begin to do? He begins to question the situations and things that's going on in the nation that they live in today. 
in that day. He begins to question everything that Israel's going for. Well, if God's with us, if you're with us, Lord, then how come this is happening, this is happening, and this is happening? Let me tell you something. Just because God is with you does not mean you're not going to have problems in your life. Does not mean the enemy's not going to come against you. Does not mean that anything's, everything's going to be wine and roses and perfect in your life. Matter of fact, I would say the opposite's more than likely going to be true. When God is with you and you are walking in God's perfect will and you have established yourself as a believer in Christ and you proclaim yourself as a believer in Christ, the enemy's going to come against you even more so than before. Because he's going to try to get you and tear you down from that. And how is he going to do that? He's going to try to sow the seed of doubt in your mind to accomplish that task. So here Gideon begins to question why. Now, if you look, look back, he calls him a mighty man of valor. Then he says, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Now, first of all, he's wrong in his quote. He says, if the Lord be with us, God never said he was with them. It says, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And then you turn around and you look at the rest of that verse. It says, if the Lord be with us. Gideon begins to question something, and a question that never should have been asked to begin with. He should have said, if the Lord be with me, why has all this befallen us? But no, he doesn't. He says, why has this befallen us? If the, and, but, the, but the scripture never said, I am with them. If you read earlier in, in the sixth chapter of Gideon there, it says that God turned his back on them because of their whoremongering, their lying, and their idolatry. That's the answer to the question that Gideon's asking. But Gideon didn't turn from God. That's why God's using him. So that's why God told Gideon, you mighty man of valor, I am with thee. He didn't say, I am with us. I didn't say I, I was with them. But that's what happens in the church today. We take one word and compare it to another word, and we twist the truth of the word of God. And next thing you know, we're believing things that aren't in the word of God based off of what man might say. For example, in the, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, when you read the Lord's Prayer, it says, in earth. That's what everybody says on earth, though. Give us this day our daily bread in earth as it, on earth as it be. You know what I'm talking about in the Lord's Prayer? It doesn't say on earth in the Bible. It says in earth. But everybody takes that word and they twist it out. In earth means what? In earth and vessel, in our lives. God's will be done. Where? In my life. But what man has done, if they've gone and they've quoted that wrong, the same way Gideon quotes the angel of the Lord here wrong, and they say on earth to mean God's will be done on this earth. No, God's will can be done on this earth through who? It's got to be done through the corporate body. It's got to be done through us. So God's perfect will has to be done through us before it can be done on anything. But what we do, you read the King James Version of the Bible, we say on earth and not in earth, and then we mis misquoted Christ at the, uh, when he gave the prayer for us. Are you following me? So what Gideon does immediately right here is he misquotes the angel of the Lord. He said, if the Lord be with us. And now we go down to verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? So God pretty much ignores what Gideon said because he knows he's wrong in what he's saying. He says, look, man, just go. Just go do what I told you to do. Quit doubting. Just get up. Have I not sent thee? Have I not just told you you're a mighty man of valor? Have I not told you I am with thee always? Hey, if he be for us, who can be against us? But what is Gideon, what is he going to continue to do through this? He's going to continue to doubt. He's going to continue to fear. He's going to continue to have problems. Why? I really don't know. He's no different than the church today. He's no different than the nation of Israel throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. They continue to turn their back on God. They continue to turn to the things of this world. 
And they continued to not do what God had ordered them to. It's the same position that the church is in today. God has proclaimed us to spread the gospel, the good news, the great commission throughout the four corners of the earth. And what do we do? We don't do it. We get up. We go to school. We go to our jobs. We go to our family's house. And we'll go through an entire week and never proclaim the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ to anybody. We have been given a great commission to spread the good news. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Open thy mouth wide. I will fill it. I will give you the words to say. And yet we still don't do it. We still sit down in our pews. We still sit down on our dining room tables across from the world, across from non-believers, and we never share with them about Christ. Verse 15. Gideon really starts to get good now here in verse 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will what? Be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Now the first thing here he begins to do now is, okay, I know what you're saying. I know you're going to be with me, but look, man, you don't know where I come from. You don't know my family. You know, they're all a bunch of losers. I've got nobody to depend on. Don't you realize that I'm related to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? Surely God can't use me. How many of us in here today have put ourselves in that same boat where God has asked us to do something? God has called us to do something We're like, well, God can't use me, especially in a small town like this. Everybody knows what I've done wrong. Everybody knows where I've been. Everybody knows what I'm doing. I've got this whole past of mine that everybody knows about. How am I going to overcome that, God? They know the arguments that my husband and I have had. I got arrested five years ago for domestic violence. All these different things in our lives that begin to creep up in our mind to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. But what does God say? He even reinforces, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as how many men? It says, one man. Surely I will smite, you will smite the Midianites as one man. How much more convincing does, this look, does the Lord have to be to Gideon to get his point across? This is the third time now he has addressed him. You're going to be successful. You're going to do it. You're going to be victorious. How many more times does he have to convince him to get up, quit doubting, and go forth? Well, let's find out how many more times. Let's look at verse 17. You can go ahead and turn those projectors off, TJ. And he said unto him, if, this is the second time Gideon says if to God, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that talkest with me. So now Gideon, even though the angel of the Lord three times has told him it's going to happen, now what does he say to him? Can you show me a sign? Can you show me a sign, God, just so that I know? It's not enough that he's sitting right in front of him underneath the tree, the angel of the Lord. It's not enough that three times he said, you're not going to die. I'm with you. This is going to happen. That still isn't enough for him. Now he's saying, Lord, can, can you show me a sign? Too many times in the church today, God has told people to act. God has told people to move. And we're still seeking confirmation on what God wants to do in our lives. Sometimes church confirmation gets us in trouble. Sometimes church confirmation keeps us from fulfilling God's will in our life because we're sitting down waiting on confirmation after confirmation after confirmation and God's sitting over here. He's saying, man, I've already told you three times. How many more times do I got to tell you to get up and go witness to the lady at the gas station? 
How many times does God have to confirm in our lives that he loves us, that he saved us, that he washed us in his blood, that we're no longer the old man, but we're now the new man. We're no longer that person that we used to be, yet we still sit on our couches and sit on our phones and lay in bed at night and still cry out to God because we still think we're that same person. And God's sitting on the throne. He said, man, I've washed you in the blood. You're not that individual anymore. I can't confirm in any other way. You must now begin to walk it out. Confirmation is what Gideon wants now. Three times he heard from God. Three times wasn't enough. So now he wants confirmation. So the angel of the Lord tells him, okay, go in there and prepare some food and bring it out here and set it on this rock. So Gideon goes in and he cuts up some meat and he makes a cake and he comes in and he puts it on a rock. Now it hasn't been cooked, it's just been prepared. And the angel of the Lord sits there and brings fire up out of the rock and cooks the meat and the bread. Now, wouldn't that be confirmation for you and I? It's not enough that three times the angel of the Lord said, I'm going to be with you. Now he's sitting there bringing fire out of a rock to cook a meal for you. So let's see what Gideon does. I think Gideon's good to go now. Verse 22, and when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. Mind you, back there in verse, what was it, 6, 15, I think it was. Let me get that right. Back in verse 13, he calls him, O my Lord. Now he sits there. When Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. So after he cooks the food, now this is the fourth time, Gideon now confirms that it's God. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. So now the fifth time. The fourth time was the cooking. Now the fifth time, Gideon is being confirmed by God, you're not going to die. Peace be unto you. And after the food was finally cooked, Gideon's like, you know what? This must really be God. This must really be God. How many times has he got to be prodded to go do what God has called him to do? Church, there comes a time where God's eventually going to turn and walk away from that individual. Gideon was, was by God's grace, not that person this time. Not this time. So, let's continue to see where Gideon's at. So now the armies are assembled. Gideon's been convinced it was God. And now God has told him to gather the men together. We're getting ready to go to battle. And we are at verse 36. And Gideon said unto God, If, for the third time, if thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor, and if... Another case of doubt, the dew be on the fleece only, and if it be dry upon the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. So everything that's taken place so far wasn't enough for Gideon. Are you, are you following where I'm going with this? I'll tell you exactly where I'm going with it. God used Gideon despite his ignorance. Despite Gideon's ignorance and stupidity, I'm going to say that because reading this, I see it. This is five times, and now two more ifs, and another confirmation is needed to go and deliver Israel. It doesn't say how much time took past as they gathered all the armies together, but how many times did his own loved ones and the people of the nation of Israel have to toil while God's sitting there confirming to Gideon that, hey, dummy, it's me. 
How many times have you walked in some place where God has spoke to you to talk to somebody and you've walked right by him and you haven't done it and you've thought, man, I really, should have, I really should have said something. I felt God telling me to do this. I felt God telling me to do that. And you don't do it. All you're being is a Gideon. Start calling yourself and say, man, I'm being a Gideon today because I want 15 confirmations for God to get done what he wants to get done. And all the while, that which God's requiring you or wanting you to get done is being pushed back and being pushed back and being pushed back the same way the nation of Israel. How many people died to the hands of the Midianites while God was waiting for Gideon to get up and go to battle? For Gideon to go up and deliver his people? Praise God that when it came time for Jesus to die on the cross and he went into the garden, he said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass for me. It wasn't. He got up and he went to the cross. He didn't need five or six confirmations. He knew it was going to be a struggle. He knew what the prophecy was. He knew it was going to be painful, but he knew it had to take place. Why? So that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. So that you and I might have eternal life. He went to the cross. He didn't need ten confirmations. He didn't even need two confirmations. God spoke. He got up and it was done. And he's looking for a church. He's looking for a people today that when he speaks, they will get up and they will move immediately and obediently to his spirit so that his will might be done. The reason why his will's not getting done on the earth today is because the believers have quit being obedient. They have fallen into the hands of a Gideon spirit where they're requiring confirmations everywhere. They're questioning God. They're wondering why this, why that. God's saying, don't question my word. I have confirmed it through my son and his blood on Calvary. Go forth and preach the good news. Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Gideon, as I read that, I began to see that every time returning to his vomit, repeating his folly. Yet God's sitting there saying, man, this is the guy that I chose. Can you believe this, Gabriel? Take a look at this guy. He's wanting confirmation again and again. You know what? I understand now why he's an Israelite. I know why he's one of my people because he keeps turning back. Yes, the children of Israel turn their back on God. They began to worship idols. They began to sleep around. They began to do everything wrong. But church, there's no difference between doing that and direct disobedience to the Holy Spirit. And that's what Gideon was doing right here. Yet, through it all, yet, through it all, God was still going to use him. Yet, church, through all of our shortcomings, through all the sin we've had in our life that Christ has purged from us, no matter how bad we think we might have been, God can still use us, the believer. Verse 39 now. So Gideon tells him this, and he goes to sleep that night, and he wakes up, and there is dew only on the fleece that he laid down, and the rest of the earth has no dew on it. So God once again confirms it. Then we go to verse 39, And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece, let it now be dry upon the fleece, and upon all the ground dew. So even after that, what does Gideon do? He goes to God. He knows God's got to be getting mad at this point. Lord, don't let your anger be against me. But can you just do the opposite of what you just did last night? I don't know. Maybe, maybe Gideon liked seeing the supernatural take place in front of him. And that's why he was doing it. But I believe it's because he was scared to death because doubt had told him as he saw the army amassed throughout the hillside that he was not going to win. That he was not going to win. 
And that's why he was at this point. Why was he convinced he wasn't going to win? Because God had taken his army from thousands of men and brought it all the way down to 300 and said, now you're ready to go to war. 300. Mind you, God said what? He was going to deliver the Israelites with what? One man. Oh, if God would have taken it down to just Gideon at this point. No soldiers. How many more confirmations would have Gideon have needed at this point in his life? We'd probably still be sitting here waiting on Gideon to get confirmations. I've lost track at this point. I don't know if somebody has. I think we're at maybe seven or eight different times now that he has questioned God. But now I like what God does in Judges chapter 7, verse 9. We'll start at verse 7. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand. And let all the other people go, every man unto his place. So the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets and sent all the rest of Israel, every man, unto his tent and retained those 300 men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass that same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered them into thine hand. Now verse 10 is what I, I, I totally love about this story. Then God says to Gideon, but if, you notice the word if there, it's the fifth time it has showed up in this story. But if thou fear to go down, and God gives him an out, once again, that he can use to go confirm what's going to happen. He's going to tell him to take this man, go sit outside the camp, and you're going to hear how they're talking about the army of the Lord and how they believe they're going to be defeated, and that's going to build Gideon up in his strength yet one last time. The sad thing is that Gideon got up, took the man with him, and went down for the confirmation. At that point in Gideon's life, at that point in this story, Gideon should have known by now that God was going to deliver. How many times did God confirm it through his life? How many times has God confirmed through your life that he's called you in the ministry? Or how many times through your life has God confirmed through things in your life that he loves you, that he's never left you, that he will never forsake you, that you are somebody in his kingdom? He's sitting there and he's talking to people in this room today and he's saying, man, I'm there when you lay your head on your pillow at night. I've heard you cry in your bedroom. I'm there when you step your feet on the floor in the morning and you begin to start your day and I know the trouble and the stress that you feel when you're on your job. Know this, I have never left thee. I have never forsaken thee, but it is thee, it is you, it is the believer that has turned their back on him. Gideon rose up and went down to get one final confirmation. Church, I'm telling you, at this point, I would be a warrior for God. I wouldn't need to go down there. I'd be saying, rise up, let's go. We're going to go win this thing, but not Gideon. He still had to go and get one last confirmation. Church, what confirmation are we waiting on? What's the one? What's the one confirmation in your life that you're waiting to allow God to use you? What are you waiting on? What has God got to do in our lives? What has he got to show us in our lives to remove the seed of doubt that Satan has sown in our life to keep us from believing all that God has given us, all that God has for us, all that he's promised us. If you turn with me real quick to Matthew in the 14th chapter. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, there's that word if again, 
If it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Doubt crept in at that moment. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Church, in our lives, doubt replaces faith. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible also tells us that without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him. Church, when doubt creeps into our life, when doubt creeps into our mind, when we allow that seed of doubt to be planted in our minds and in our lives, that doubt will eradicate and remove all faith that you have built up in your life. Doubt and faith cannot exist in the same, in the same place. I like when you look back to verse 27 that I just read. It says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. The same thing that the angel of the Lord was telling Gideon that day. Be not afraid. I'm with you always. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It is I. You are going to accomplish this task. And at that moment, Peter was not afraid. He got out of the, wo- out of the boat and he began to walk on the water. But when the storm rose up around him, he took his eyes off of Christ. And when he took his eyes off of Christ, he immediately began to sink. The storm that was around him caused the doubt. And that doubt took his eyes off of God, took his eyes off of Christ, took his eyes off the prize. That's how it is in our life today. God builds up our faith. And we're at that point where we're spiritually walking on water for him. And then something in our life rises up around us. And that thing, that trouble plants a seed of doubt. We take our eyes off of him that created us we take our eyes off of Christ and immediately we begin to sink spiritually because we are no longer looking at him we are looking at the things of the world God's saying take your eyes off the things of the world keep your eyes on me and that doubt will not creep in and I will use you you will see supernatural things done in your life you will see signs and wonders follow you will see those added into the kingdom of God but as long as you keep looking to the left and looking to the right at the things of the world and you keep taking your eyes off of me doubt will get into your mind and you will sink but praise God as Peter sunk in the water because he took his eyes off of Christ who was it that reached down and lifted him up it was that same Christ that he took his eyes off of that same Christ that he turned his back on that same Christ that he forsook during the storm of his life as it reared up all around him and as it became boisterous he took his eye off him but it was Christ that reached down church and picked him up brought him back up to the top of the water brought him back up on his feet through his grace and through his mercy church just because you fall just because you take your eye off him know this that he is faithful and just to reach down and pick you back up as well dust you off get you going back on your way why because that's the father that's the lord that's the savior that's his grace that's his mercy that's him that replaces the doubt in our life don't let that doubt get that stronghold so bad that you never come back up above the water how many confirmations do we need how many times do we need to sink in the water till we get to the point where we realize it is the doubt that satan plants in my life that leads me to the fact that i don't receive what god wants why haven't i received this miracle god i've been praying and praying and praying and and i've got this ailment in my life god's saying well where's your doubt where's your faith how many confirmations must i give you in isaiah the 53rd chapter it says by his stripes you are healed 
Ye are healed by the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary, but it is the doubt in your life that's keeping you from seeing it, from receiving it. The woman with the issue of blood, Jesus looked at her and said, what? It wasn't anything that Jesus did. He said, thy faith has made you whole. Why was it her faith? Because she eradicated all doubt in her life. She believed 100% that she had to get to him. And if she got to the person, Jesus Christ, she would be healed. The, the, everything would be gone. Blind Bartimaeus stood up even though he couldn't see. He had just heard that Jesus was passing by. And he began to shout. And he began to holler. And it was the leaders of the church that told him to sit down. But he wouldn't sit down. Why? Because he knew if Christ got to him, he would be healed. He would be set free. He would be able to see again. And that's how it is in our life. Christ is saying, and he's crying out to us today, if you just believe, if you just have that faith, if you cry out to me, I will give it to you. I will bring you victorious. I will deliver you. I will heal you. But you've got to remove the doubt, and you've got to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's him and him alone that shall set you free. This pastor and nobody in this building can deliver you, give you the victory, give you the healing you need, give you the financial miracle you need. We can't do it. There's nothing in my power, but there's one that lives within me. And there is one that lives in every single one of you that is waiting to explode out of you with his power. But he's saying, quit doubting me. Step forth in faith. Forget about what those around you say, and you shall see my glory in your life. I believe 100% in the deacons of this church will tell you as well, I believe 100% in being obedient unto God. When God speaks to me, I know it's God speaking to me. And there are times the things that we do because God tells us to might seem crazy. And I said this this past Sunday night when I was preaching. But church, when you're obedient to God, it's going to stretch your boundaries and your borders. God's going to come to you. There's going to be times he's going to say, go do this, go do that. And it's going to be something easy. It's going to be something fine. But let me tell you something. Why did Gideon want all the confirmations? Because what God was asking him to do was going to stretch his borders personally. He was going to have to step outside of the box. He was going to have to see something in the supernatural. He was going to have to do something he wasn't comfortable with doing. And that's how it is with us in our lives. When God asks us to be obedient and God asks us to do something, it's going to stretch our borders. It's going to stretch our boundaries. But in doing that, when God proves himself time and time again, it's going to build up our faith even stronger and stronger to the point where it won't be shaken and it won't fall as easily as it does today. If you're sitting there and God tells you to do something, you're like, well, that can't be God because that's pretty crazy. Usually that's God. If you're sitting there and you're saying, well, man, God told me yeah, that's pretty easy. I can do that. Better jump on it when you got the opportunity because those are few and far between. Oh, praise God, church. He wants to do a work in every person in here's life, but you've got to eliminate the doubt in your life. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, and he said, if you had faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, you could tell that mountain, be thou moved, and it'll be moved. But before that, he says, you must remove all doubt. Church, Satan uses doubt in the believer on a daily basis. Hey, trust me, just because I'm pastor of a church doesn't mean that I don't doubt. But when Satan doubts you, and he attacks you, and he begins to make you second guess, and he begins to make you question, recognize it for what it is. It's not women's intuition. It's not your conscience. It's nothing like that. You know what it is? It's an attack of the enemy, and recognize it for what it is, and put him 